0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. The first few months before your baby finally arrives can be filled with a mix of anxiety, excitement, exhaustion and impatience, and that's all before the baby has even arrived. Once your baby makes their grand entrance, it's easy to pour all of your energies into your child. But it's important for new parents to remember to take care of themselves just as much as their new bundle of joy. Dr. Harvey Karp is one of America's most trusted paediatricians and child development experts. He's penned books, written for internationally renowned publications such as the New York and LA Times, and is the co-founder and CEO of Happiest Baby. Hi, Harvey. How are you?
1: I'm good, Siobhan. Good to talk to you.
0: Now, you've devoted your professional life to helping families raise Healthy and happy children. How much of that starts with parental self-care?
1: Well, I think it's a bit like being in the airplane. Right, they always tell you to grab the oxygen mask first before you give it to your child. I think that um, to have a, if you, if your baby could speak, they would say, "Mom, I need you to take care of yourself because I'm dependent on you." Yeah, and so of course uh, that's a, a key part. But but it's not as easy as that sounds, and and the reason is that uh, today, if you have, um, you know, a lot of people don't have extended family. If you if you have a nanny or a night nurse, you're you're rather well off. Um, but up until 100 years ago, everyone had five nannies. You had your grandmother, your aunt, your older sister, your next door neighbor's older daughter. You had an entourage around you when you were raising a child, and most most moms and, and dads don't have that support today, so they're really struggling to take care of themselves and take care of their family at the same time.
0: When we talk about self-care, it can mean different things to different people. How do you define it in a way that is what parents need?
1: Oh, gosh, that's so hard. I mean, let's face it. You know, when you're a, you're a parent of, of young kids, you know, it is um, it's taxing. I mean, it's incredibly rewarding. It's the most wonderful thing you can ever do it's the most satisfying thing you can ever do, to have have children in your life and be helping to raise them. But it's hard getting everything done, especially when you may have to be two earners in the family, or you may have to be taking care of your elder parents and uh, other responsibilities. Um, And so, obviously, it's important to get sleep, it's important to eat well, it's important to get outside and get some exercise. And, you know, those kind of fundamentals and a little bit of peace of mind, whether that's taking a walk or meditating or listening to some music or whatever it is that helps you kind of balance your stress levels Um, and um, getting out socially, uh, being with other kids. That's actually kind of an interesting thing in terms of whether or not a good mother is staying with her children all the time or putting her child in daycare. Kind of an interesting thing because a lot of people think, well, I should be with my child. I shouldn't be farming my child out to someone else to do the care. But actually, from a a toddler's point of view, not a baby's point of view, but once they get to be one or over one year of age, um, they actually really relish that social exposure. And it's much more interesting to be around other one, two, and three-year-olds than only be with your mother. So so, um, while we have certain expectations of ourselves, it is important to make sure that we're not, um, that we're seeing things clearly.
0: Um, Now, postpartum depression is more common than ever now. Can we say that lack of self-care contributes to that? Or is it more a chemically based thing that sort of you can't control?
1: Well, we do know, we've thought forever that it's really from hormonal changes, but that's Probably not correct, certainly not for the majority of people, because we know that mothers who adopt babies get postpartum depression and men get postpartum depression. So it isn't just hormonal changes. Um, We uh, studies show that, of course, part of it can be a prior history of depression or living in poverty or having an abusive relationship. All of those things can push you in that direction. But probably the biggest contributor has to do with um, having difficulties with the baby. Uh, Not getting enough sleep, having a baby is very difficult to soothe, and um, and difficulty feeding, all of which can make you feel incompetent, which pushes anybody into into depression. The good news about this is that we now have tools that help you calm colic babies and help babies sleep longer, so that you can feel more rested and more competent and more successful. And and not only avoid the depression, but create a feeling of pride and confidence.
0: So um, let's go back a step, I guess. How can we know that postpartum, it's postpartum depression, it's not just that, you know, baby blues that happens on the fourth day, that it's something a bit more serious? How can we tell that that's happening for a mum or a dad?
1: Well, it's a really good question because depression after you have a baby, is not exactly what you always think depression will be. In other words, it's not necessarily "boo hoo," you know, I'm 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 blue and crying. Um, it, it, and it certainly is not necessarily on the four days after the baby is born. It could well be weeks later or even months later. Um, And oftentimes, this is an anxious depression, uh, more than a sad depression. So your mind doesn't stop racing. You're constantly worried. You're checking your baby, checking, checking again, because you're worried that maybe the baby stopped breathing or rolled into a dangerous position. Um, uh, You're washing your hands over and over again, kind of obsessively, because you're worried about germs. Those are indications um, that, that stress and anxiety levels, often an indication that Um, something is going on that isn't really, um, isn't real, is out of the norm. Um, but you know, when you're feeling exhausted and, and overwhelmed, um, whatever you want to call it, blues or depression or anxiety, that's when you have to reach out to your, your support network and, and to your, your family and your physician, uh, uh, or, or midwife or, or community help for uh, for for some
0: for some support and and the rest of it. Now um we sort of we started this conversation talking about self-care as you mentioned once upon a time it was a lot easier when we had our community around us helping do you have any suggestions for people who are not only isolated within their community but also don't have the support that people normally would have today. So they may be single parents, they might be separated, they might be widowed. I mean, what can those people do if they can't even call on the support that the rest of us can?
1: Well, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Of course, um, Australians, like, uh, like Americans, we're, we're a strong breed of independent people, you know, and so <laughs> we think that, you know, we can do it all and we can just kind of tough it out, stiff up our lips. But it turns out that that's, again, for the entire history of humanity up until the past 100 years, you always had help when you had a baby. It's exhausting. It's literally they train um, special forces to endure torture by putting them through sleep deprivation with the sound of crying babies over (laughs) loudspeakers. (laughs) So it really is hard. And people need to pat themselves on the back and not think that they're wimps for needing some extra help and support. So that's the first thing. Let's just be realistic. The second thing is there are very specific things that you can do to help a baby sleep better and cry less. Um, And that's really what my work is based on. We now have thousands of educators in 20 nations, including in Australia, um, teaching the five S's, which uh, is a concept that I teach in in the happiest baby on the block uh, video. Um, there's a book as well, but the video is really most helpful. And this teaches how to soothe babies and, and add extra sleep. And really, there are five steps. Swaddling is the first step with the arms down. That's snug wrapping around the arms. Loose around the hips, but snug around the arms. The side or stomach position, never for sleeping. Uh, the back is the only safe position for sleeping, but the side or stomach is the best for calming a crying baby, um, not on the back in your arms. Um, The third is shushing or white noise. The fourth is swinging or rhythmic motion. And the fifth is sucking. And when you layer those on, and every baby needs a little bit different combination of those things, um, you can oftentimes calm colicky babies in under a minute and help help babies sleep longer as well. But the reason that we have a video is because there is technique involved, rather like hitting the knee with a with a hammer, like when you go to the doctor and they check your reflexes. If you're off by an inch or two, or you're tapping the knee too softly, nothing happens. And same thing with babies. If you're not shushing properly, if you're not jiggling properly, um, if you're not swaddling properly, the whole the whole ball of yarn unravels. So yes. um, so it helps to kind of watch that. And then we've created a bed which is called Snoo, which is actually now for sale in in Australia as well. And that is really, um, it's really not a bed. It's really your older sister who's coming to live with you. It's a a bed that rocks and shushes babies all night long, but it also responds to them when they get upset with a little bit more rocking and jiggling the way you would respond with an upset baby. And that's a special swaddle that just takes seconds to put on and attaches to the bed so the baby can't roll to an unsafe position. So in our studies, we we've shown that you can add an hour or two to a baby's sleep, really in the first week or two of life, and you can keep them sleeping longer throughout the first six months and naturally sleep train them. So by two three months, babies are sleeping on average nine hours.
0: Wow! Where were they when my babies were small, um, <laughs> Harvey? Thank you so much for speaking with us today.
1: It's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Siobhan.
0: Thank you. That was Dr. Harvey Karp. He's the founder of Happiest Baby. For information on his book and writing, as well as the best resources for Australian parents, just head to the description of this episode for all the links. Plus, you can read more at our website. That's babyology.com.au forward slash love and search for Harvey. That's H-A-R-V-E-Y. How much do you know about doulas? What do they do? And how do you find a good one? Next time on Feed, Play, Love, we're talking everything doulas with Professor Hannah Darwin. The one thing I would say, and we're doing a lot of research on this now, I get concerned now is the more and more doulas are stepping into being the supporters at home birth without a midwife. And that concerns us because that is free birth because free birth is where there is not a registered health professional at birth. So it's really important that women realise The doulas are not midwives, and so doulas should not be the primary care provider making clinical decisions and providing clinical care, but they're a wonderful support, and um, I'm a huge fan of doulas. What doulas are and what they are not. Next time on Feed, Play, Love. This podcast is produced by Elise Cooper. I'm Siobhan Hunt.